1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis, and I'm here with one of our monthly Voices episodes where we talk to cool people, authors, podcasters, and just people we think that you'd like to hear from. My guest today is Nancy Davis Coe. Nancy is a podcaster. Her podcast is Midlife Mixtape. We go way back together as old school bloggers, and she's got a brand new book out called The Thank You Project, um, where Nancy actually wrote 50 thank you letters to people and in some cases, places and things that have been important in her life. Um, the book is all about what she learned from that, the science of gratitude and why it's so important and what it can really do for us to do this sort of um, intentional practice of being grateful, thinking about people that we're grateful for, and then actually sitting down and telling them in, in some cases. Um, it's a great conversation. And we really dig into like what the process of writing the letters was like, who she wrote them to, how they were received, and now this book that she's got coming out. So I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll jump in with our interview with Nancy Davis Co.
0: We are welcoming back Save the Children as a sponsor today. And I'm so.
1: Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Hi, Nancy. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. It's so nice to hear your voice. It's lovely to hear yours. I think the last time we talked to each other in person was maybe at the Mom 2.0 Summit last year,
2: possibly. I feel like we were sitting around a round table. We over were. We were sitting at a round table. In the chat.
1: <laughs> yes, and talking about podcasting. And because... I was trying to drain
2: you of everything you know about pro- podcasting because you've been such an inspiration to me and really a very early support when I launched my podcast. So I'm well, grateful to you and Sarah for that. You guys have always been so helpful.
1: Oh, we appreciate that. And we love your show. And we talk about it a lot because it's just really great interviews, very high quality stuff. Um, and hopefully in the half hour breakfast we were sitting together, you were able to drain me of all I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just like a vampire.
1: <laughs> but Let's talk about your book that's coming out because I'm so excited about this book. So the book is called The Thank You Project. Correct.
2: That's that's right. Cultivating happiness, one letter of gratitude at a time.
1: Have you ever noticed that the subtitle for books is always like way longer than you think it should be?
2: I mean, <laughs> I will tell you, first of all, that was not the the I like the name of the book. It was not the name that I pitched. Oh, OK. Um, but I spent so much time on the tagline because it does have to do a lot of heavy lifting. It does. Yes. You know, the shorter the title, the I, I think the tagline needs to. Needs to do a lot. But you're right. I see books sometimes where the tagline kind of goes over onto the back cover and you think (laughs) that could have been that could have been shorter.
1: Well, for me as an author and now for as someone who occasionally um, interviews authors, it's usually the part I forget. And then I have to, you know, promote you or uh, prompt you to say it for me because I just won't remember.
2: It's a tag team, Megan. (laughs) We're a tag team.
1: We're working together on this. (laughs) Okay, so the premise of the book is that you wrote letters literally like you know, physical letters with your hand, or maybe you typed them, I don't know, we can get into that, to, was it 50 people?
2: 50 entities. It ended up being, yes, I went beyond people. At at some point, you know, the project just kind of kept expanding, so I stopped limiting myself to people. But yeah, 50 letters in the course of what turned out to be about a year and a half. I thought it would take me a year, and then life intervened.
1: Well, that does tend to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you wrote these letters, and how, what inspired this book?
2: Well, it was the end of 2015 when I thought about doing this project for the first time. And the following year in 2016, I was going to be celebrating a big milestone birthday. And I just felt like it was an appropriate time to stop and take stock a little bit Mm. and think about who I was at that point. I felt very fortunate. You know, my parents were around. I'm close with my siblings. My husband and I had been married at that point for 24 years and our kids were healthy. And I think when you get to, you know, the the podcast is my, my podcast is Midlife Mixtape for the years between being hip and breaking one. Mm. <laughs> and I think when you are in that phase of being being between uh, hip and breaking one, you've seen you, I, you have either yourself weathered a lot of crises or you've seen other people do it. Yeah. And so when times are good, I think I, I just felt it would be tempting fate not to acknowledge how fortunate I was. So I thought this is what I'll do for this birthday. I'll write one letter every week to somebody who has helped or shaped or inspired me up to this point in my life, because I recognize that I am not here on my own, uh, by my own doing, you know, right. I had help all along the way. And that's all I'm going to do. I'll just write these weekly thank you notes because everything's going great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know and why so, this just feels
1: like a dun 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 moment. Everyone just everyone at home
2: just rolled their eyes. Yeah, right. you thought it was. Uh yeah, so it and yes, indeed, the plot twist you saw coming yes. came and it turned out to be a a pretty hard year, probably the hardest year of my life and uh Uh, you know, I, I lost my dad very suddenly and only a few weeks after that, my oldest daughter left for college, which was great, except, Oh, I was already on the back foot when, you know, and here I was, I literally came home from the funeral and went to buy dorm sheets and started packing up for this kid to move cross country. Right. And, and it was the 2016 presidential election. So I was not alone. A little stressful. (laughs) Tiny, tiny bit, (laughs) tiny bit negative. Yeah. Divisive little bit more fearful than usual. Uh, And so what I came to realize as each week went by, and I had this routine where I would write these letters on a Friday afternoon, honestly, with a beer. That that was my Friday 5 p.m. happy hour. I just, you know, it was kind of a nice way to go into the weekend. And I kept realizing that when I wrote a letter, I felt better physically and mentally. I felt more connected. I felt less stressed. It was a reminder that I was always helped. Every time I've come up against hard things or sad things or difficult challenges, somebody has been there with an assist. And so just sitting down every week to tell one specific person about the very specific ways that they have changed my life or made my life better was this really beautiful kind of reset button. And, um, and so I finished the 50 letters because of, especially because of what happened with my dad. I had to take a break. I couldn't, yeah. I spent about three months not, I wrote a lot of thank you letters, but it was for casseroles and you know <laughs> donations to right. his fu- memorial fund. But once I picked the letters up again, you know, I, it took me about a year and a half. And uh, I realized that I had sort of created this toolkit for myself because I saved copies of every letter I wrote. So I had them all bound together in this book. And I realized that even a year after that birthday, two years after that birthday, because now it's it's been four years, I would still pick up that book and and flip through it and Mm. remind myself. If I was having a low moment, I would just flip open a page and say, "Oh my gosh, my friend Heather is so good about making making activism fun." She, She this is a friend of mine who gets everybody together for phone banking, and she gets us. You know, she makes food, and she just makes it really fun and upbeat. And she has made it possible for me to continue to be civically engaged without getting worn out because she just makes it full of joy. So that's this very specific thing for one specific friend. And just, you write a bunch of those letters and you start seeing all these pockets of grace that surround you and all these gifts that people give you that are so beautiful and unique. And I think it just uh, became a really powerful way to Remind myself that a I'm connected to a lot of people. I'm not alone. D- regardless of how you feel in the modern world, when you you know are feeling isolated or cut off from other people, you're not. And it also is. It also made me think every week. Okay, uh, I'm going to have to look for something. I have to write fill a page about mm. gratitude thoughts. So let me uh, you know. Let me look and see who I can find in my life who's really positive and. It just gets you in the habit of doing that.
1: Yeah, I I love that because it also feels like I know that for myself, whenever I stop and think about um, you mentioned your friend, Heather, and whenever I stop and think about a, a friend or a family member, it's like their positive traits. I find myself inspired to adopt <laughs> more of that, whatever that Absolutely, is in my own yep, life yep. as well. Um, and, you know, even though you might not do it on the like, slate, like maybe you're not going to host. um some phone banking or something like that, but like you might be able to take a bit of that that inspiration into your life in a different way, and I love that. Right. Um, so tell me about the actual like. Just set the scene here. So you're having a beer. First of all, is it the same beer every time?
2: <laughs> well. Here's what. So I <laughs> lived in Munich. One of my letters okay. was to the city of Munich. That was my first job out of college. So I am a complete beer snob.
1: Okay. And
2: uh, I don't. I can't drink wine. I get a headache just looking at a bottle. But I can have one beer. That is pretty much my limit now, too. Uh, and I'm a connoisseur. I, like I like to sample things. You know, we've got great breweries around here in the Bay Area. I like to drink a lot of local brews. So All right. Okay. So maybe
1: it's a different rotating beer snob beer going. Going on. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And are you, do you, did you go out and sit in a, in a public place and write? Did you have a place in your home that you did it?
2: Now I have, so I have a home office. I work from home as a freelance writer and I also have a day job in the digital content industry. So I have a home office that I really love. It's a, um, you know, it's very, it's far away from the rest of the house. So it's nice and quiet in mm-hmm. here. And mm-hmm. I, I do my best writing here. I know that. Um, So the writing took place here. The thinking took place everywhere because part of what I loved about this is uh, I I would know, say a week in advance, I think, okay, I'm going to write my nephew Tristan a letter um, in the coming week. So I'm just going to think about Tristan this week. And he is, you know, this is my brother's youngest son. And he was the last, basically, he was the last little baby I got to practice on before I had my own children. And he's six foot seven now. He's not so little anymore. (laughs) Not so little. Um, He's a really amazing humor writer. And I would think about some of the funny stuff that he has sent me over the years. He's always sent me stuff to read of his. And anyway, you can be thinking about those things while you're cooking dinner or you're going grocery shopping or you're sitting at the, you know, in line at the DMV. And what's happening from a science perspective is you're already teaching your brain to look for grateful things. So This is what I loved about writing the book versus writing the letters, because when I was writing the letters, that's simply what I was doing. I was writing letters. But when I decided to write a book about this, I really wanted to ground it in the facts of why Mm -hmm. gratitude worked on me. I really wanted to understand why it was making me happier and more positive. And so I got to dive into the neuroscience and. As humans, we have this tendency called negative recall bias. And that is simply, you know, that you look out on the landscape and you look for things that are dangerous and you react appropriately. And so, of course, this was very helpful for our cavewoman ancestors when they saw the mastodon coming or whatever. Hmm. But in modern life, we don't we just don't need that so much. And we tend to have that, you know, a lot of us are kind of wired to look for for the negative first And so writing the gratitude letters is a really good way to build positive recall bias, which counteracts that negativity. It it gets you in the habit of looking for things to be thankful for and things that are good in your life. And so just knowing every week that I was going to sit down and have to fill a whole page with thoughts about whatever person I decided I was going to write to meant that I spent a week thinking positive things. And then the next week, so let's say this week it was about my nephew Tristan, well, if the next week it was his brother, Zach, I was already kind of in the mode because mm. I was in the habit of looking for the positive things. So that's how the letters kept building on each other. And it kept getting easier and easier to see not just the obvious people in my life to whom I should thank, you know, my friends and family obviously were the first ones on the list. But as the weeks went by, I also started kind of getting excited about thinking, well, if I'm talking about people who have helped or shaped or inspired me, there are a lot of categories that I can expand to. Mm. And some of the things are not people like the city of Munich was obviously I'm a beer snob. So that traces straight back to, to that. So I ended up writing letters to places I've lived, you know, hobbies of mine and yeah, it just, it, it kind of built upon itself.
1: I love this. So do you think that there is magic in the writing of the letter? I'm assuming you were writing by hand. Um, you know, with your Don't make that assumption, <laughs> okay. Megan, because
2: my handwriting is god awful. Okay. My kid, so were you my sometimes. Kids call it chicken scrabble. No, mine is um, awful too. So when I sit
1: down and try to write a letter, I have to be very, very deliberate and it takes a while. Yeah.
2: Yes. And then I get crampy and I wouldn't be yeah. able to say what I wanted to right. say. So okay. I, yeah, no, I typed, so I had one word document and I would type a page uh, you know, at each week, and then I would print it off, and I usually did handwrite something at the bottom to okay. sign it, and hopefully they knew it was from me because maybe me. my signature is so crusty <laughs> so they couldn't like, even uh, tell that. This is
1: a lovely letter, but okay, <laughs> from someone. <laughs> from someone. So, do you think that there was some magic in the writing of a letter ra- that is different from calling someone on the phone or sending a text, or do you think it was the thinking it through beforehand that was really kind of that secret sauce that put you in that in that place?
2: I think that thinking it through beforehand is the special sauce for the writer. I think putting it in writing is the special sauce for the recipient. Mm, And the reason is we live in 2019 where all of us are texting and sending emojis and everything and Snapchat stories and everything disappears. Everything is ephemeral. But if you write down your thoughts on a physical piece of paper, type it or write it down. But it, the, the point is, it's it's a hard copy. It's something mm. that will go in the mail or get handed over when you see this person. Um, that's durable. That's a letter that uh, that you can hold on to. And I know some of the people who, sent, who I sent letters to have told me that they keep it in the nightstand or they yeah. have it in a special box or something so that they can reread it because they were really touched by what I wrote. And I would... <laughs> this, okay, this is going to sound a little weird, but I, I felt like I had to tell somebody this story. I have to say <laughs> the other day, I was looking through some old papers for something and I came across a letter that my dad handwrote me. me because, you know, we didn't have computers when I, was, uh, when I was a senior in college. And it was the, so I was a senior in college and I obviously had just gotten off the phone with him and told him I, w- I didn't think I was going to find a job when I graduated. And he wrote me this letter that was just so full of faith in my abilities. And he just sort of said- I'm not even worried. This is what I see in you. This is what, you know. This is what is going to happen for you, and I know it's going to be fine. And I'm sitting there holding this old letter, old letter because mm. that was now 30 years ago in my hands. <laughs> I literally put it on my face just to have <laughs> my dad's. Oh, I love that. Like that connection to mm. my dad who's been gone now almost you know three three and a half years. I mean, to have that letter come out you know reach across 3 decades to yeah. touch me still tells you what the power is of of a, of a written letter so i think i think the thinking part is really great for the recipient and i say over or to for the writer and i say over and over in the book if you never write a letter you're still doing yourself a favor by thinking about all these kinds of people in your life thinking right. about the positive things and and that the science is 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 sound there but if you want to talk about doing something nice for somebody else Give them all of that in a way that they can refer back to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. And I, just I, told,
2: I can't believe I just told the story of me like smushing my I know on my love face, it. but like, I was having a moment.
1: The mental image of that is very touching. Yeah. And I think other, you know, <laughs> parents will get it and, and, and daughters and, you know, we all have parents. Right. And so that makes a lot of sense or have had parents. Um, and that I guess brings me to just wondering like how, you know, you said this project was going to take you a year, it took you a year and a half. Some of that was because things got really rough, but I could see where even, even if things had gone along steadily, it might've been tough to set aside the time to sit down once a week. Did you, I know you said you c- kind of create a little ritual, a uh, ritual around it. Did you give yourself any other incentives? Like how did you kind of keep this moving along?
2: Um, I think, It kept itself moving along because I really got a boost every Mm. time I wrote a letter. There was this sort of shiver of delight every time I finished a letter and thought, there. And even if it was a letter I wasn't going to mail because that's a whole nother topic, you know, I wrote some that I didn't mail. But if it was something that I was going to actually give to the person, I was so excited for them to read it because I knew that they would be happy to get it. So that was a lot of incentive there. And, you know, but I want listeners to know that. And I say this throughout the book, you do it on the pace that works for you. And Mm -hmm. science actually suggests that you can do these a month apart and still have the same positive benefit. That's how durable it it is to express gratitude to someone. They can still measure a positive impact that, you know, 30 days later. So you don't have to rush through them, and if you get sidetracked, if you find that going at a slower pace works better for your schedule, it's totally fine. I always say, I say in the book over and over, "I am not the boss of you. I'm right. barely the boss <laughs> of my own children, and not really." Yeah. Um,
1: so you're not going to be looking over their shoulder to see if they did right, it, yes, right? Right. Exactly. But then
2: I also tried to include some examples of other people who had done similar similar projects um, and just done it in different ways, so you, so the reader gets lots of ideas. But there was. One woman who wrote 100 letters in 100 days, which Mm. was impressive, not something I could have pulled off, but she, for her, that was absolutely right. And she was really happy she did it that way. There's somebody else who had a 50th birthday party and wrote 50 letters that were the uh, that were on the plates for her 50 guests. Oh. So everybody sat down, opened a letter, and probably burst into tears. I don't know. It wasn't right. a party. <laughs> but there's lots of ways to do it. And I think uh I think the response you get and and I told myself from the from the get-go, I'm I i do not get to expect any particular type of response, right. right? Nobody asked me to write them a thank you letter. So I don't get to be disappointed if somebody doesn't acknowledge it. Mm-hmm you know, that's, I'm putting it on them. They don't need to, they don't owe me anything. And yet I it, the acknowledgements came with virtually every letter that I sent and they were amazing. I, some people wrote me letters back. Some people just gave me a giant hug and told oh. me that I'd made their day. And so when you get enough of those under your belt, you're thinking, oh good, I get to write a letter this week.
1: Yeah. I love that. And And you're so right about the bedside, you know, the bedside table or the nightstand drawer with a letter. It's so rare to get one now that I feel like when I do get a handwritten letter, I I do hang on to them. I keep them around because it's just different in every way. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know, what's good to go. My shoes. to claim this deal, go to hayahealthcom slash mom hour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H I Y A H E A L T H.com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Nancy. So we've kind of talked about the inspiration behind this, this project that then became the book, um, the benefits to you, the kind of like why you decided to do this and then why it kind of continued, um, to be something you wanted to do, not something that you just like a project you decided you were going to do and then slogged through. So I'm really curious about you. had You'd mentioned that some of the people that you wrote letters to weren't really people at all, first of all, that they were entities. Um, so let's kind of talk about the gamut. You've got 50 letters that you sent. What is the gamut of the types of people and entities that you wrote to?
2: Well, I started with family and friends, and that probably took me up to, I don't know, 18, 19 letter, maybe in the twenties. But then I realized at some point that if I wrote the letters, I didn't have to mail them. Mm. And that was an eye opener because then I was, (laughs) by that time, I was really getting good at thinking about uh, people who have helped me and shaped me and inspired me. I was getting better and better at figuring out who those people were and some of them were not people that I'm in touch with by choice. So, right. <laughs> you know, when you think about the lousy boss you had who kind of drove you into the arms of another career or an ex who, you know, you're not in touch with, but hey, he taught you to drive a stick shift.
1: Right. Um, but you, you don't know, really necessarily want him to read the letter from exactly. you. Exactly. Invite that and person back into your life. Yeah, I get exactly.
2: that. So, but there's real benefit to writing those letters anyway, because again, you're reminding yourself. That at this, you know, that in the past when you've needed help, there have been people to give you that help. And I think that's really invaluable, but something in particular with the letters that I wrote and didn't send to, to former friends and ex and ex, you know, boyfriends was that it gave me, it allowed me to look back at the situation with a little bit of, I guess i would call it tenderness, you know, Mm. because you look at, maybe you look at an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend and you think, oh my God, I was so stupid. Why did I start dating them well, put yourself back in, in in the in the shoes you were wearing then what you knew then, and if there were positive things that came out of it, even if all even if the only positive thing was I'll never date a, a person like that again right they were terrible. well, that's a decent lesson to take with you you know if you have higher standards as a result of time you spent with somebody, that's something to be grateful for mm-hmm. so I felt like it's a really it's a, it's a way to go back and reframe what you might have been holding on in your head to as mistakes or errors in judgment and sort of realizing that they brought something into your life that you need and you needed and you, and you're benefiting, benefiting from it now. Yeah. So yeah, that was, you know, there was, there's a story I included the book where I had this friend in college who was really dynamic and had, you know, really popular and I liked her a lot, I, but I could never figure out something felt off and I just could never figure out what it was. And we finally, the the thing became very clear at some point. And she and I had this big public blowout and that friendship just died. And I, and the thing that I took away with it is I don't have enough time to spend with people who like me. Why would I spend any time <laughs> right. with people who don't like me? And mm-hmm. that was it. She just didn't like me that much. And I've, really use that I was 22 or 23 when I figured that out. And I'm 30 years older than that now. And I still think about it when I'm in certain situations, I'm like, mm, I know which category of the two you belong in right. and how I'm going to prioritize my time with you if, accordingly.
1: Yeah. Wow. And, and I think sometimes when you're in the thick of it, like when you were 22, you get so wrapped up in your own hurt, you know, or like right. your hurt feelings around things like that, um, that it's so useful to look back. Um sometimes right. yeah, decades back. Like I could think back to high school relationships. I'm still the same person. You know. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. So you didn't send every letter you wrote, but you kept every letter you wrote. Have That's you had right. any that you hung on to for a while, you weren't sure if you wanted to send or not, and then ultimately sent?
2: Well, here's something awkward. When you <laughs> I, I wrote a book about writing right, you exactly. letters. And certainly some of these people, if they choose to buy the book, which maybe they won't, but if they do, it's going to be pretty obvious who I'm talking about. So in in deference to not, you know, it's not sneaking up on somebody and pulling something shady, I actually did reach out to a few people uh, over the past, you know, I guess mid earlier this year and said, hey, I'm writing this book and this is what it's going to be about. And it's fine. There was there was one there's one friend who, you know, I just said, look, this letter exists. You're never going to read it. And it, that's that it's fine. But, um, I don't know. I think I used good judgment in deciding not to send the letters I didn't send. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: which, which, and, and
2: I should say, if at any point, you know, talking about making it flexible in terms of your fitting your schedule, also it should be flexible in terms of what your comfort level is. So uh, again, I felt comfortable sending out letters to friends and family and doctors and a few mm-hmm. other people. If you get to a letter that you feel will either make you or the other person uncomfortable, you are, you do not have to send it. You've already garnered all the benefits of an act of gratitude practice just in writing it. So I really want to let people know they're off the hook for actually mailing the letters. If that's not something that feels comfortable for them.
1: Yeah. I love that. Um, I imagine some of these letters were relatively easy to write, and some were probably a lot harder. Um, do you have any was that surprising to you? Which ones were hardest to write, or just, was there anything else about the writing process that surprised you?
2: That's a good question. I think there were a few relationships where I had to dig a little bit to figure out what the positive thing was yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's uh, my grandparents on my dad's side uh were not warm, fuzzy grandparents, you know, they, they were very nice, but they were not the kind of people to sweep you up into a hug and tell yeah. your parents go away for three days. You know, they were like, are you, no, don't leave them here. <laughs> no, and, thank, um, you. <laughs> yeah. no, thank you. We've had our hour with them. You can go. And I, and I felt badly that I just felt like this letter was a, kind of a chance to look at them because as a kid, I resented that. Obviously I knew, you know, my siblings and I knew what was up with our grandparents and um, my dad was a very warm, a very warm guy. So whatever, whatever, you know, they, they could have passed on to him. They did not. They raised a son who was really a wonderful father. So, you know, that alone is something to be thankful for. And then I just realized as an adult writing these letters, so time had passed, my grandparents had both passed on my dad's side and looking back at it, I could be a lot more understanding of why they would have been that way. Mm. You know, they li- they had chosen to move to this retirement community, and they were very busy, and they had a lot of activities. And then we would roll up and sticky and loud and <laughs> demanding. And, yeah. you know, I can't tell you that I'm not going to be my grandmother when the time right. comes, you know. So that was nice to be able to, it, it took a little work, but mm. I thought it through enough that I could find, I could really feel grateful to the way they'd raised my dad, the guy they, you know, that, that they turned out. And then the other, the other thing that I remembered as I was writing this letter to my grandmother in particular was that she loved Germany. So when I moved there as a 22 year old, she was thrilled for me. She had been there on vacation and she wrote to me all the time. And this was before the internet. And when long distance phone calls were so expensive that I couldn't afford them and I would get letters from her and it just meant so much to go to the mailbox and see a letter from somebody who knew you when I was, I had moved to a country where I didn't know anybody and I was pretty alone there for a while. And, um, that was a really kind thing she did for me. Mm. So I, I think there are, I think it would be normal. I think it would be maybe abnormal to not have a letter like that, where you have to struggle a little bit with figuring out how to frame it in a positive way. I mean, relationships are complex.
1: Yeah. But
2: the whole point of this exercise is to dig around until you can figure out what good thing you took from it.
1: It did it has Were well, there moments. And what that story kind of made me think were, um, was how sometimes we have expectations. And then when that expectation isn't met, we feel like we've been, um, you know, wronged <laughs> in some way. Oh. And some, and so much of that is about us coming in with a certain expectation. Like maybe your other grandparents were very warm and fuzzy, Um, or whatever, or that's what you like. That's the way you like to know that you are loved or whatever. Um, and so you almost didn't even see the positive thing till you were forced to look for it.
2: Right. Well, you know, I think my rap name could be Judgy McJudgerson. I mean, (laughs) I'm very, I don't know if it has to do with my astrological sign or what, but, uh, I feel like I always have very high expectations of people. And I spent a lot of time feeling, feeling uh, disappointed, which is just, I can't remember if I'm allowed to swear on this
1: show. Or not, not so much. Sorry, <laughs> not so much.
2: The word I'm thinking starts with this. It's not a great way to go through your life. Yes. So, uh, writing the letters, and in particular, I I noticed this with writing to my girlfriends. I would fill a page with, you know, thoughts about how this person you always show up for me when, you know, my family needs help and you drop off food for me or whatever you know the specific thing is. And then I'd write a letter to another mutual friend, somebody in, kind of in the same circle. And I would say, you have me such great career advice and you're always game to go dancing in the city when I want to go dancing and nobody else will go. You always will go with me. And then the third letter and I it started I started realizing, oh, everybody brings me a different set of of gifts or of of, you know, support. And none of them bring me everything, but I've figured out, like, now I know this is my person I go to for family stuff. This is my person I go for career stuff. And I shouldn't be disappointed that the family person doesn't help me with my career. That's not what she's great at. That's not her thing. So it was very clarifying. And I felt like it was kind of a slap to me, too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, stop being greedy. Like (laughs) you, You get so much from so many people stop being disappointed that they can't be who you, who they aren't.
1: Yeah. And, and that no one person can be everything to you. And that's right. something we talk about on the mom hour a lot is when you're kind of shaping your, your group of people, whatever that's going to look like, like you can, there can be people who, who fit a very narrow need like set of needs for you. And that's great. Like that, right. not everybody has to be the bestie that you can leave your kids with at a moment's notice or that you spend a bunch of time with like, we all have different roles and that's totally okay. Um, right. I think sometimes it's hard for women. Like, I feel like we feel like we have to nurture relationships to like the nth degree. Mm. Every single relationship has to be like, we have to max them out and right. be really good at all of them. And that's right. okay. I don't mind if I have a friend who knows I'm available to go grab a happy hour on Tuesday because everyone else is doing something else. Right, <laughs> like if right. That's all I could do. That's fine. You know, I'll find a way to fit in there and it, it still works and it still counts. Um, so how you mentioned that the letters were received really positively. You really didn't feel like any went unnoticed. Um, you mentioned getting big hugs. Did you get any letters back? I did.
2: I, I, well, I was going to say one letter went unnoticed and it was hilarious because I had tucked the letter into the front of a book to give to my friend Dawn and she had asked me to borrow the book. So I put the letter in the front and then I saw her she's a physical therapist. So I was going to her weekly. I think at the, I can't remember which aging ailment I was having her fix at the time, but, um, (laughs) I was seeing her a lot and she never said anything. And I thought, well, she is a little reserved, but, but I this just Christ. Like- <laughs> but I can't say anything back to her because she right? she just didn't. And then about six months later, she called me. She goes, "Oh my god, I finally just opened the book you get you gave me. There's a letter in it. How long has that been sitting there? She was mortified. Oh, that's so, so funny. That it's like when up. you
1: have a gift shipped to someone and they never acknowledge it, right. and then you're like, so do I say something? Do, do I, I just say say something? ask if it Now I've
2: made it awkward. Right? You know
1: exactly. <laughs>
2: I love but, that. Uh, so that one was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, so I did get a letter back. My, I got a few letters back. And one of my favorite ones was from my obstetrician because I had written her thank you letter. You know, if, if on the mom hour, we know that the doctors who help or the midwives yeah. or whomever help our children into the world have a pretty important job to do. Yeah. And if they do it well your life is easier. Yes. If they don't do it well, you, you may encounter really, you know, difficult problems.
1: So I'm very curious to know which category this, OB right? No, uh,
2: everything went <laughs> fine. Everything went okay. fine, but there were, she's very skilled. She's a, she's a really, really good doctor. And there were just a couple things that I was relieved to have her be the person staring up, right. up, up at me through my knees. Um, so I wrote her a thank you letter and she wrote me back and she's really high profile. She is, you know, on the boards of all this, she's very busy. And the fact that she took the time to wrote me, to write me back, told me that she doesn't get a lot of these letters. Yes. And yet so many families are beholden to her for her skill and her expertise. So I loved writing those kinds of letters to people like doctors and teachers and bosses because those are people who you know maybe are paid to help you yeah. in some way or another but the help that they give you is so beyond a paycheck and it's so beyond you know hey thanks for that and you know out the door again so i really liked having the chance to put down in writing what what their skills what their uh, expertise had brought into my life
1: i love this and you know i think what that kind of shows is um Often when you are in that situation where you're paying someone for their help, it's often because you're in a stressful situation or a situation where Mm -hmm. you're about to get really busy. I mean, say a lawyer. Well, maybe you're in the middle of a really difficult divorce, right? Right. Um, Right. Or you just had a baby. And it just kind of makes me think like there's no time limit on this. So if you kept thinking to yourself, gosh, it would have really been nice to send my midwife or doctor or doula a letter, um, but I got so busy and I had a baby in my arms all the time and couldn't do it. uh, That doesn't mean you can't do it. Like you could do it 10, 15 years later or whenever, whenever you are, I don't know, feel moved to do so.
2: Right. I wrote my AP English teacher a letter 30 years after I graduated high school, (laughs) you know, and she was thrilled. She was, she was really grateful for the letter. And just, just to mention, you know, when you're talking about the stress and burnout, there's a study that I included in the book about the fact that you know, some, I think it's 42% of doctors say that they feel burnout and that 15% of them have some form of depression, but that getting a thank you letter from any expression of gratitude from the patients can mitigate that. And, the, yeah. and it was especially effective in settings that are very high stress, like uh, ER nurses. Mm, mm-hmm. So writing a thank you letter to that nurse who helped you when you broke your arm or took your sick child in, you know, you're really doing a service when you tell that person thank you because you may be addressing some really significant, you know, anxiety and burnout and and depression.
1: Wow. Um, I love that. And I so you you wrapped up your project before you started writing the book. So it's been a few years, right? Yes, like, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, is this something you've carried forward, this sort of practice of gratitude have have you changed? Is there something different about the way you interact with the world and people from your past and, and present um, than you did before?
2: I do think I changed. I I, I let the practice go fallow for a while after mm-hmm. I had done it. I thought, well, I got to letter 50, so I'm done with that. <laughs> I'm, and, done. You I'm know, good. Yeah, I'm done. I'm not grateful anymore. No, I just thought, well, that was what I set out to do and I did it. And then I had a couple of people ask me how I did it. And after I explained it to them, I thought, well, it felt more self-explanatory than that, but uh, I guess maybe people would like to know this. And, and so the, I started writing the book about a year and a half ago. And as I, and it was really important to me to get the science in there. I really Mm. wanted to understand that. So as I was
1: researching
2: I thought, why did I stop?
1: Right. What a dumb like, thing this, to do. Well, it's kind of like when you like are working out or going to yoga all the time and it feels so good and then you stop for a while and you're like, why did I do that? Why did I do why that? I do that? Yeah. It was so
2: good for me. Mm-hmm. So I did start again. When I started writing the book, I started writing the letters again and I don't do it as regularly. I don't always do it with a beer either, but um, I definitely am now much, I'm, I'm writing the letters, you know, If it comes to me, then I write the letter. And sometimes I can feel that I need to write a letter. And it's not because there's somebody who I'm feeling extra grateful to. It's because I'm stressed.
1: Right. And I'm
2: feeling anxious. And I think this is, I know how to fix this. Mm -hmm. Who is, so who's somebody. So uh, I am writing, I actually have on my to-do list today. I'm writing my hairdresser a letter because she's so good to me. And I, my hair looks great all the time. Well, if I follow what she's told me to do. So, um, you know, she's somebody who makes me feel good about myself. And that's pretty fantastic. So, and I'm guessing she
1: doesn't get a lot of letters.
2: I don't think she ever gets letters. right? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So that I do think, and I'm also better at shifting perspective when something, when somebody does something negative, I don't think I tend to dwell on it as much as I might have because it's, I've gotten pretty good at saying, well, what's the positive thing that comes out of that? You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the book, um, this, this episode is going live on the sixth and the book, uh, dropped on the third. That's right. Okay. So while and the we're audio recording... version,
2: the audio version is coming out January 7th too. Oh, which great. Was, well, that'll
1: be good for people who'd rather consume with their ears, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is probably we're, we're a lot. We're all
2: of... for those people. We love those people. <laughs> we love those
1: people. Um, so you, when, while we're talking, we're like a week out, I guess from that, a week ish out from you actually, your actual book week
2: from today coming yep. into
1: the world. So, what's it been like? How's your How's the experience been? Or have you written anyone letters about how grateful you are? <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: it's been uh, It's been great. It is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love my publisher. I'm really grateful to Running Press. They've done a wonderful job. The book design is so beyond anything I could have ever hoped for. And I think I can say that because I have nothing to do with it. I, I literally said I like the color blue and they ran with it. I love that. So I'm really I'm really uh, so gratified to see what the final product looks like because it's just a pretty little book. Um, but it's uh, it's just a reality of modern publishing that authors carry a lot of the do a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to marketing promotion. And I uh, I have a day job. I'm, I work in digital content licensing So, uh, it turns out it was good timing that my youngest daughter went off to UCLA in September because I have an empty nest and now I have a book baby. Mm. So any time that I might've spent moping around the house and feeling like it's cavernous and what will we do without (laughs) the children here? I'm downstairs, like banging out another essay and trying to make a Canva image and trying to remember if I pitched this, you know, this outlet. So it's, it's been fun. It's, uh, as my, uh, my older daughter counselled me, she said, mom, this is not a time to 80%. it." So from the mouths of babes, I'm now getting counseling from my children. And, uh, and yeah, the other thing she said is at least it's something you're excited about. And it's true. I, I've been waking up every morning at five thirty, just thinking, okay, what are the 17 things I'm going to do today? Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. That- I imagine I'm going to crash around like January 5th or so I expect to be found Face first on my bed, but that's okay. Yeah, that's fine (laughs) because
1: it'll be like kind of like you know after you get the baby out, then you're just like, can I rest now? And at least someone
2: bring me a casserole, (laughs) exactly, exactly. and an ice pack.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, Nancy, this has been such a great conversation. So, where can we? Where's the easiest way to find um, your podcast, Midlife Mixtape, and the book? I know you've got your own site. Where do you direct people?
2: Yeah. Best place to go is my website, davisco.com, which is D-A-V-I-S-K-H-O.com. And from there, you can see everything about the book and you can link to the Midlife Mixtape blog, the Midlife Mixtape podcast. And yeah, everything uh, I've got some, I've got some speaking engagements and readings coming up, especially in the Bay area. So there's a calendar there and hopefully Perfect. I'll get to meet some of you in person. I'm looking forward to that part of it.
1: And we will link um, all that up in the show notes as well, so that everyone can find it and everyone go check out the book. It is the thank you project. And Nancy, I just set you up for the tagline.
2: Cultivating happiness, one letter of attitude at a time. Booyah.
1: Uh, I love it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon.
2: Thanks, Megan.
1: Okay, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Mom Hour. Again, if you want to find out more about Nancy Davis Co, um, or any of the links that we talked about today, just go to the show notes at themomhour.com and you can look her up there. You can also go to Nancy's site, nancydavisco.com. It's Nancy Davis and then k h o.com. Definitely check her out and we'll be back soon with another episode. Talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica
0: Keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data.
1: Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica Family Plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%.
0: The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks.